0: Hi and welcome to Cinemotif, a podcast that analyzes a specific theme or trend in film. Each episode we're going to be talking about something else, so it should be fun. This is the first episode. I'm Patrick Alaka. And I'm Jason Konigsberg, a film critic of PanandSlam.com. So in the first episode we're going to be talking about the mid-film plot twist versus the surprise ending. Or surprise twist at the end pretty much whatever you want to call it Um, but let's just describe what a mid film plot twist is which is it's just a surprise twist that occurs in the middle of a film pretty much it takes the movie in a totally different direction and this sometimes changes the entire genre of the film moving forward or it changes who the main character is Um, so it's different from a surprise ending where it's just You know, at the climax, it's like, oh wow, that was a shock. I didn't know that was gonna happen. The movie ends. Yeah,
1: so mid -mid mid-film twists are a little less common, at least nowadays, and it's like they throw a curveball to you in the middle, whereas the other one is like, oh, it's a big, you know, surprise at the end you know it's like the team is down behind and bam they come from behind and get a big victory like a surprise twist ending we're looking at instead the whole movie takes a turn to the left yep and goes in an unexpected direction and uh sometimes they're more interesting directions sometimes they're not but we'll be looking at uh, some of you know the most obvious examples and i think for the most part, from what I've thought of before this, when you told me you wanted to discuss this, there are some pretty excellent classic movies here that have these mid-film uh, twists. Yeah,
0: definitely. And, and I, I thought of this idea while watching um, Parasite for the third time last night, and that's going to be our first movie that we discuss. By the way, suffice it to say, mm-hmm. we are going to be spoiling the end of a lot of movies here. So what we're going to do is in the description of this podcast, we're going to go into, you know, there'll be a timestamp when we're talking about this specific movie, etc. So if you haven't seen a movie, but you want to listen to another part of the podcast about a you know movie that you have seen, you're going to be able to easily go to it and skip the parts that are spoilers for you. Let's get into it. Let's first talk about Parasite. So I'm not we don't have to go into the entire plot of each movie. I think it's just easier just to go into where the movie takes the yeah, twist or it takes mm-hmm. a turn. So mm-hmm. the th- this actually occurs l- literally in the middle of the movie. It's exactly at the 1 hour and 6 minute mark, I believe. I I was actually watching oh, it wow. yesterday. So and, precise 1 hour <laughs> and 6 minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, I was watching it last night and I and i had the idea and i was like oh yeah wow this movie is like 2 hours and 12 minutes or something and it occurs like 1 occurs hour and 6 minutes yeah halfway so it's point, yeah. really interesting so the twist in this or the mm-hmm. mid film twist is the kim family learn that the park's former housekeeper has been hiding her husband in the basement for years
1: it throws in that big curveball um with the the old housekeeper yeah Had, you know, someone that she loved living in the basement and that the wealthy family, the whole time she was there, they never knew that he was living in the basement the entire time. So there's secrets on both ends and they both have to protect themselves. And it's quite a twist. And yes, the movie becomes more suspenseful and more than just a, you know, class, you know struggle socioeconomic you know picture and more into a you know thriller yeah i
0: was i was territory. gonna say and that you know what i was thinking watching it the movie actually begins as almost a heist caper i mean it's not exactly hmm. there you know the heist is obviously just the kim family getting the jobs but it it's done in that type of way like where it, they have almost like this ocean the oceans 11 type plan of getting rid of the housekeeper and everything it becomes very elaborate mm-hmm. and it's it's a fun movie it's yeah. a fun movie to watch mm-hmm. um and you know it's kind of lighthearted. it's i mean it's it's kind of dark in a way that the the kim family are getting rid of everyone that's it's standing in their dark. way yeah. but it's nowhere near as dark as it gets the second half of the movie you know correct yeah then it goes into a very different
1: direction but i I like what you said how it's similar to an oceans 11 type heist movie because they have these different plans and then oh here comes another person's chance to get in on the action and we'll throw them into this and yeah each their elaborate ruses staged with fake phone numbers and fake business cards and uh you know certain groceries being purchased uh in order to you know kind of uh, stage a coup mm-hmm. and uh, get rid of the uh, old housekeeper. So it's it's a very, very interesting uh, plot. And the whole time they're doing these dastardly things and the way it's set up in a very, very uh, smart direction by Bong Joon-ho, you're still rooting for the poor family to, you know, over the wealthy family that, you know, sort of has the blinders on and are unaware of what's going on.
0: Yeah, I when I when when we... When I saw that in theaters, I am sh- I think you and I talked about this. We didn't see it in theaters together, but um, the audience was just gasping at, at this part. It just – it, yeah, it just, uh, it's just really shocking. And it becomes – you no longer know where it's going to go. It becomes an extremely exactly, unpredictable yeah. movie at that point. It's like, what. Wow.
1: It goes into dangerous, dark territory, and it's an unpredictable film, and you're just going along for the ride. I mean, like a good Hitchcock thriller, he hooks the audience in, Bong Joon-ho gets his hooks in you and no matter what happens you're going to want to see where they go when their house gets flooded you want to see where they go and the house the the wealthy uh family's house almost becomes a character of itself i think that's one of the best sets and uh you know the usage the mise-en-scene the usage of that house is uh pretty spectacular in that movie um so yeah it's 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 a terrific film and the mid-twist if they save that for the end exactly yeah and then it would have just been a you know socioeconomic you know parable allegory story about a rich family and a poor family and the poor family taking advantage of the wealthy family and oh there's a twist and there's the maybe a little violence at the end and that would be it I don't think that I think that would have felt a little more disjointed you would and you it would have felt more sudden and abrupt and like a shock whereas instead it's more suspense like Hitchcock always talks about building the suspense when you know there's something else okay when the the audience knows and the characters don't know so I think uh you know it definitely worked better this way than if it was more of a M. Night Shyamalan type twist at you know where the last 15 minutes oh look there's this person living in the house underneath I don't think that would have made for as strong a film people would have said that's not realistic that could never happen and maybe Parasite the way it was done couldn't happen but I still think you know, it, people accepted it, mm-hmm. okay? It felt like it could happen while I was watching it. The tw- yeah. two times I've seen it and the three times you've seen it, you don't, you know, and you're not sitting there looking for goofs and continuity errors and saying
0: this couldn't happen. The whole thing you mentioned Hitchcock, it, um, that's where I think the mid-film twist is very Hitchcockian in general. As uh, I mean, he didn't invent that, and we'll go into some Hitchcock movies later on, but Hitchcock always mm-hmm. said he gave this example of what the difference between suspense versus surprise. And he said that yes. if you have two businessmen talking, and um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden a bomb blows up, that's surprise. And the room blows but up. Then, yep. Yep, but then, but if you surprise. show yeah. um, two people talking, and then you tilt down and show the bomb, and then you tilt back up, and you have the conversation still going, where the audience knows that the bomb right. is under the table, but the two characters right. talking don't. That is actually suspense, that's and suspense. he always viewed that yeah. as much more powerful thing. So, yeah, and that's why he's the master of suspense, right. and that's oh, where man, that's, and there's no and you know, that, he deserved that. Yeah, time. and I agree. Like, Parasite wouldn't have had the same power if it just was like, oh yeah, there's this other family living there, and then all of a sudden, there's this big murd- murder. Murder would have felt.
1: It would have. It, Yeah, best case scenario, it would have felt like maybe a good M. Night Shyamalan movie. I mentioned his name before, but it would have felt like The Sixth Sense, where you fire, oh, you know, this guy's a ghost, and that's the end, and, you know, you don't have time to digest it, you don't have time to, the the character doesn't have time to do anything with that information that he found out, it's just sort of over. Um, So that would be the difference, and I think that would have made Parasite a weaker film, because I think the audience would have been dumbfounded and struck and shot in shock and awe and they would have left the theater like that talking like wow i can't believe that that was you know going on under the house the whole time so it's i I definitely think parasite masterfully used the mid-film twist the way we want to get to the hitchcock examples now uh sure yeah Because we've talked so much about Hitchcock, I feel like, why don't we, you know, talk about two of Hitchcock's best movies have those mid-twist, I mean, they're two, not arguably, but they're absolutely two of his very, very best films, uh, Psycho and Vertigo, and Psycho has two twists, of course, obviously, and once again, uh, earmuffs, if you haven't heard or or seen these movies, if you haven't seen these movies, Stop what you're doing. Go watch Psycho. Go watch Vertigo. Then come back and listen to us. No. But, yeah, let's um, talk seriously. Psycho. Let's talk
0: about Psycho first. Let's just talk about the mid-twist. And we'll save the uh we'll the save the for yeah, we'll save the okay. twist ending for um, our second half of this. But uh, you know, the okay. first so the mid-twist, so the mid-twist is Marion yeah. Crane is murdered in the shower, of course. We think that she yes. is the main character, but then it almost becomes mm-hmm. Norman Bates. Um, he becomes the protagonist, or so we think. You know, all of a sudden. Well, sort of, yeah. Well, you're
1: meant to believe that, but it starts following Norman Bates, and it starts following Marion Crane's sister. True, true, but we don't really know. Or lover. We don't
0: yeah. know whether we don't. It's almost like we don't want. At least for me, I didn't want Norman Bates to get caught because I thought he was protecting his mother at this point. Um, Hitchcock mm, does something at the time. The first time, yeah, you saw the first it? time okay. exactly. Um, Hitchcock does this really brilliant thing where instead of it just fading out where Norman Bates finds the dead body, we follow him for, I don't know, I think about 15 minutes, um, actually disp- mm-hmm. cleaning up disposing, the mess. cleaning yeah. up, getting rid of and the we, body. And we know. think he's just being a dutiful son. He's protecting his mother. Um, and we're, root- we're mm-hmm. rooting for him. It's very interesting how Hitchcock does that. There's this great part where he's burying um, the car in the swamp with Marion's body in the trunk. And the, and the car... And it doesn't quite yeah, exactly. sink all Yeah, exactly. The, the way. car actually stops <laughs> yeah. sinking. And um, the mm-hmm. audience actually is just like, oh, dang, it's not sinking. Which is just mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. that he makes people start worrying like, oh, is Norman going to be able to get away with this when
1: you know if you you do humanize for either this killer or this enabler whatever he's either one or the other clearly um, and you definitely, you know, are yeah. in suspense for him. Oh my God, is this car not going to sink? And he's he, I think he's chewing gum in that moment yep. and looking around nervously and then it eventually does, uh, sink. So yeah, but also it's important to note, Janet Lee was a huge star. Yes. Okay. If we could compare her to modern day, I would say she, I'm not just thinking of the movie Hitchcock like that, but she was on par with a maybe Scarlett Johansson type superstardom. She was a big star, beautiful, blonde, bombshell, gorgeous, popular. And she's in every scene of this movie for the first 30 minutes. Yep. And then just like that, she's dead. It would be like if, you know, if Scarlett Johansson died, you know, halfway 15, 30 minutes through the uh, an Avengers movie. And it's like she's dead for real. This is an Infinity War where magically they can come back. Okay, you know, the big star was dead. And then you have this whole other movie. Mm-hmm. You have a whole other hour or so. Yeah. To find out what happens, what's going to go on. And then, yes, we meet the sister who we hadn't seen before. We meet the boyfriend who we only saw briefly in one scene. And, yeah, we're following Norman, who kind of sort of becomes the de facto protagonist uh, for a good portion of the next half of the film. So it's a brilliant brilliant twist. And the marketing gimmick. Patrick, do you want to talk about the marketing gimmick, how he wanted to make sure that audiences got in the theater on time so they didn't miss a moment of oh Marianne sure Crane's, yeah uh you yeah, know, so janet lee's on so they performance, didn't actually that was right they
0: didn't actually let anybody into the theaters uh once the film started so um mm-hmm. hitchcock was adamant yeah.
1: about that he even had ads not even the queen of england god bless her will be ent- allowed to enter this theater after the movie starts so the lines were going around the corner and psycho was low budget he used his uh television crew uh, from alfred hitchcock presents to you know film the that movie that's what it was black and white it was low budget it was not you know like north by northwest which he had made the year before vertigo those were big color you know more epic looking uh productions this was a small production and it ended up being a huge huge hit
0: and for good reason yep. so so yeah it's it's just interesting i do agree that the boyfriend and the sister are also the protagonists of course but Uh, It it is interesting Mm -hmm. that we go from Marion Crane being the protagonist, at least we think, to, I I mean, when I first Mm -hmm. saw this, I thought it was Norman Bates, the boyfriend and the sister were all protagonists, even though they wanted different things. Norman was trying to protect his mother, and the boyfriend and the sister are trying Mm -hmm. to to, um, find out what happened to Marion. Um, But then, obviously, the big twist at the end, which we'll we'll get to, we won't talk about it here, but... um, this is like an interesting example because it has that mid-twist and it also has the mm-hmm. twist ending. So, And they both work, yeah. unlike a lot of other movies that
1: might throw in twists that are arbitrary. I'm thinking of some heist movies, okay, where whether they're good or not, it's like characters might switch sides or change roles. And it's like, where's the motivation? Where's the, you know, there's a lot of betrayal going on and you can't tell who's who and you can't trust anybody these two twists both work and they, they make sense for the character they make sense for the narrative and they drive the story and they don't feel contrived they feel genuine you don't know what's going on the first time you see Psycho, but then even when you do, you're noticing a lot of other things. And it's, it's, it's both are brilliant. It's a great script and Hitchcock direct, you know, knew how to direct suspense and directed a great
0: film. And we, it's not even debatable whether or not this uh, movie would have been better without that twist. I mean that it, the, the shower scene murder makes the movie. It still would have been a good Mm -hmm. movie if Marion, Escaped, I guess, and then like, you know, they're still trying to figure out the mystery. I don't, even I can't even imagine that being. A, I can't. It, wouldn't, it, be, just, it's it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same movie at all. She would have and, just escaped. Yeah. And they'd be coming after her. I don't you know, think we'd a, be uh, talking Bates. about they'd it. We might away. be talking about it like a little bit because it was a Hitchcock movie. But mm. it, yeah, like already you can see um, that the power of the mid film twist. It really can make a movie super, super interesting and and classic. I Yeah, you can't imagine Psycho without it. And yeah, you remove yeah. that, and um, but when we get to the it's twist... It's a totally end- different movie if you yeah. remove that. Yeah, and when we get to the twist ending part, I, I mean, I think some of the movies would have been exactly the same without the twist ending, the ones that just don't work. So it's interesting. I All yeah. the examples we have of mid-twists are, are great movies. Um, and the other other Hitchcock movie we're talking about is also it's well, you know Jason it's my favorite movie of all time, vertigo, yeah mm-hmm. and this movie is really interesting because it doesn't actually have a mid it's not exactly a mid film twist, but there's a a good half hour of the movie that continues after mm-hmm. the twist uh occurs, and again it's suspense versus surprise um yeah.
1: And it's just sort of a reveal. Yeah. It's so it's it's much more subtle than Psycho's twist or Parasite's dramatic, more far fetched twist. This is just a character revealing something that she's writing down, and then it it changes what we know in the narrative. It doesn't yeah. change what the other characters.
0: So does. let's get to what what it actually is. Um, so the character of Madeline is actually Judy. So Scotty, who's played by Jimmy Stewart, he thinks that. The Kim Novak character that he's been in love with is um, is the wife of his old uh, college friend um, called Madeline. But actually, he's never met Madeline. She was played by an actress named Judy. And the person that he thinks is dead in the middle of the movie is actually a person he's never met before, i.e., the original Madeline. Mm-hmm so he meets judy in the street and he thinks that she looks exactly like madeline not knowing that she is the quote unquote madeline that he originally tried to save and hopefully i try i explained that correctly i mean it's kind of a it's a little bit convoluted to it's explain a convoluted, it, it's a convoluted difficult <laughs> to movie it.
1: to explain it's a difficult movie to sit through i think the first time mm-hmm. i mean a lot of people i i, I know other people that maybe aren't As much of a cinema buff as you and I are, and you know, I it's and it's considered a Hitchcock classic, but a lot of you know people do tell me, oh, they find it boring, or they find it you know slow, or they don't find it interesting, or Mm -hmm. you know Jimmy Stewart's, they don't believe Jimmy Stewart's, you know, they don't think it's a good performance. I think it's a
0: terrific. And I would argue that this movie, even though it it has a pretty good twist or a great twist, um, even though it's a little bit far fetched, the movie isn't really about the twist at all but yeah no to the point where
1: i when you said this i was like what's the twist in vertigo like how is that even a twist but i guess it does go into a different direction like you said for at least the last half hour maybe a little bit yeah
0: because for the first time so the whole rest of the movie we followed scotty played by jimmy stewart um we followed him around we've seen it the whole movie's been his point of view pretty much I mean, there are certain scenes where Mm -hmm. it shows other characters, but like the mystery and everything, we know as much as Scotty knows. Now, all of a sudden,
1: 90% of the movie is through his mm -hmm. eyes.
0: Now, when Scotty meets Judy, um, what happens is he asks her on a date. He leaves her apartment and it stays on Judy. And we, you know, Mm -hmm. originally it's kind of when you watch it the first time, it's like kind of shocking. Like, why are we still with this random woman? And then it's revealed, of course, that Judy is Madeline. She and she's writing this letter, and it kind of it reveals the twist, um, which again is the mm-hmm. whole suspense versus surprise. Because then, when Scotty picks up Judy, we know more than he does. At, finally, mm-hmm. we we didn't know. It's like he pretty much has given away. Yeah, it's like if Agatha Christie had revealed the the ending of a mystery. Um, you know with a hundred pages left of the story usually those the mystery endings are reserved until the you know the last five minutes so then the movie becomes less about the twist Um, I actually think it becomes a much more powerful movie because then it becomes the suspense of when is Scotty going to find this out and it becomes more about a redemption it's a redemption story him overcoming his fears and everything even though it ends really darkly mm-hmm. that's what it ends up being not like
1: and what's he gonna do when he exactly
0: finds yep so yeah again Hitchcock uh, the master of this stuff um, anybody else would have just saved that as a surprise ending I'm I'm sure of it for
1: the end and then he would have been devastated and heartbroken and angry and all filled with emotion you'd have this big dramatic climax and instead there is a big dramatic climax but it's not an obvious yeah. one. So, yeah, Vertigo is absolutely, you know, there's a reason why so many people consider it Hitchcock's best film, why you consider it the best film of his career and of all time. I mean, and and he's absolutely, it's a very good example of playing with audience expectations, going in a different direction. Yeah giving the audience information and then seeing where it goes, where this following this character that's, you know, madness, this obsession uh, that he has. And uh, it's, 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 I would say it's Jimmy Stewart's when you think of Jim, when I at least think of Jimmy Stewart, the movie that he was in several, you know, great Hitchcock movies, especially rear window. And I also liked him in rope, Uh, but he, he had a real, you know, he's, to me, he's always going to be the, you know, it's a Wonderful Life, yeah. or Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, that Frank Capra, Jimmy Stewart. But uh, this is his darkest role. This is his, to the point where it's almost like, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been cast in this role because he was such America's, he was like Tom Hanks of, you know, the 1950s, 40s and 50s, 30s, 40s and 50s, you know, the what t- Hanks was through the 80s, 90s and 2000s. Um, and putting him in such a dark, you know, anti-hero type role was very, very interesting. And I think he, Pulled it off perfectly. Um, I, it's you could imagine another actor in that role, but it would have been a very different movie, no matter who it was.
0: Yep, and uh, I, I think that the mid the mid film twist, or well, maybe not mid film, but the twist here, what it does, I think it, it strengthens those elements, the darkness, the obsession, because that, that's what it ends up being about. You know, pretty much Hitchcock's yeah. throwing away the twist in a way. I mean, it is a tw- it is a twist, but mm-hmm. he's he's pretty much because he puts it um, not at the end. He underemphasizes the actual twist of the movie, and more em- he puts more emphasis on um, the themes of the movie. So that's what I think is really yeah. interesting about that. Um, And I think
1: this is one of Hitchcock's most personal films. I feel like there's a lot of Hitchcock in the Jimmy Stewart character. Yes. His obsession with the woman looking a certain way, the blonde. I I, I feel like... He was probably this meticulous as a director and as a man in life, um, with a lot of his things that he did. And uh, I, I feel like a lot of that shows, th- sh- you know, shine through onto the screen. And I, I would say this and Marnie might be two of his most personal works, which he didn't write the screenplay, but his, you know, signature is on every frame that no one else in the world could have made. Uh, Vertigo. Yep. So.
0: So let's just. Uh... We could talk about Vertigo and Psycho forever, but let's just jump into yeah. the next one. How about let's talk about uh, Kubrick. Why not? Because... I was uh, going to say,
1: let's go from one master yeah. to another. Perfect. Good. I wanted he, to talk about Kubrick
0: next. Yeah. I mean, we have t- we talked about this before recording, Jason, that a lot of his movies feel like they're two separate movies. But, um, mm-hmm. but this one, I mean, we could talk about Full Metal Jacket, although that's not really a twist. So... Instead, we're focused on A Clockwork Orange. Um, Clockwork Orange, which is a better film anyway. Yeah. I,
1: I would argue it's Kubrick's best film. Exactly,
0: yeah. And the, the twist for this one is, you know, originally we're following Alex and he's going around just raping and pillaging and destroying everything. and um, th- With
1: his drugs yeah. and a bit of the old ultraviolence. Yeah, he's just, you know, like a wild you know, criminal yeah. on the loose then in it, a futuristic dystopian England. Yep.
0: Yeah, And then all of a sudden he goes to prison and is about his rehabilitation. And I'll, I'll put that in quotes because his rehabilitation is pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. uh, and, and
1: what does it really amount to at the end? Because by the time you get, if well, once again, spoilers, if you haven't seen Clockwork Orange, go watch it immediately. But, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the final shot, the final scene is, you know, absolutely brilliant with, uh, you know, him becoming himself again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Clockwork Orange, it, it it's not so much a twist as all of a sudden, I, you could say this about Kubrick's other movies. You mentioned Full Metal Jacket. I feel like Eyes Wide Shut yes. also has that, you know, an hour into the movie after Nicole Kidman's confession and Tom Cruise goes on this odyssey, this journey, you know, this surreal journey uh, to get revenge on his wife. All, a lot of his movies, Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and... I, I would say The Shining, you know, too. examples.
0: The, shine, yes, the Shining, yes, absolutely. Even goes, though Jack Nicholson
1: really is kind of crazy the
0: whole time. Yeah, because yeah. we talked about protagonists becoming the antagonists a little bit. That's a movie mm-hmm. where that definitely mm-hmm. happens, where, you know, it it, it yes. all of a sudden shifts to... A story about Danny escaping with his mother and the Jack Nicholson right. character is no longer the Protagonist it's it's no longer yeah. him trying to protect his family or trying to get work for his family. It's uh, yeah. Danny and his wife and uh, his mother. I mean trying to escape yeah. uh, their father the father and husband the, you know? the, so the biggest
1: difference for me though with, with, with the Shining is that you still have the same central characters and setting the entire two-and-a-half-hour movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Clockwork Orange, when the movie sh- turns left, when Alex gets arrested, it feels like a whole different Total. movie. And then all the characters we saw before, all the, his droogs, the women, whoever, his parents, they're all gone, and he's... Meeting new characters that matter or don't matter in prison and going through that rehabilitation. Eyes Wide Shut, Tom Cruise, the whole movie ships yep. when he's off on that journey by himself, you know, without Nicole Kidman. Uh, full Metal Jacket, it's like the first, it feels like it's two, it could have been two, you know, hour long specials or something. Because the first hour he's in, you know, Paris Island boot camp and then that's it, it ends. And then the next hour he's in Vietnam, combat, war. And then that's it. So it really does feel like, you know, almost disjointed where it's two separate movies. And all, all the characters we saw at the beginning, other than Private Joker and Full Metal Jacket, they're gone. And there's a whole set of new characters we're introduced to with Matthew Modine's character, Private Joker, in Vietnam. So, yeah, but Clockwork Orange is the one that you wanted to focus on. And I think that's the best one and the most blatant example because the movie feels like one thing for the first hour. And then he goes to prison and it's slows down, but in a different way. It just turns left, and it just keeps going left, and it doesn't really turn back around until maybe the final shot, and then we can imagine, the audience imagines, where this is going to go and how this is going to end up.
0: A lot of other movies would just, like, have the prison, going to prison, like, being, like, the end, just, like, this moral bow that's attached to it, and it's like, you know, the villain is caught, and he's going to learn the errors of his ways... But instead, it's it focuses on the rehabilitation and and like it pretty much shows. I, I don't know. It gets very murky morally, where it, well, Clockwork Orange. He isn't exactly the villain in that movie, is he? Well,
1: I just mean like. He does some despicable, horrible things, but you know, from the the book and the movie, Alex is not exactly the villain. You know, especially when you see the movie with you know Kubrick, the way he paints the government and the prison and the rehabilitation. I feel like by yeah, you're rooting for him uh, when you see. Even though yes, he did horrible things, but uh, he's not entirely the villain. He kind of becomes the victim.
0: Yes. But I would say that uh, the, the first half of the movie, even though we're living vicariously through him, um, he's still a pretty horrible person. And, you know, yes. you, you kind of want him to learn his lesson. At least I did. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, then he becomes the victim, like you just said. Um, you all of a sudden have he sympathy does learn for his him. Lesson and, and we see how he's worse off. Right. Our next movie uh, that has
1: one of the most famous and outlandish uh, mid-film twists would be uh, Robert Rodriguez's From Dusk Till Dawn, based on a screenplay by Quentin Tarantino, and also co-starring Quentin Tarantino. And this movie, I really wish the ad campaign was different, because if you never saw a trailer, you never saw a preview or anything, the first hour is like a crime getaway movie i mean it really the dialogue is tarantino-esque okay and this was early tarantino it was his first thing he did after um uh pulp fiction his big breakout hit in 1994 so this is 1996 and he's starring in a movie that he wrote and the first hour you're following him and george clooney they're criminal brother fugitives killers and they kidnap a family uh fathers played by harvey keitel daughters played by juliette lewis and i forget the name of the son but he has a younger um adopted son and uh he kidnaps them in their uh mobile home their motor home and the plan is he's gonna harvey keitel is gonna drive them to mexico and they're not gonna get caught and they're gonna meet up with their friend and you know live the rest of their lives in mexico away from the united states and away from uh, the law So it goes through all that. It has the typical Tarantino dialogue, and they go to Mexico. And then, about an hour in, the bar that they stop at turns out to be a biker bar that's also a hangout for vampires. And the vampires, you know, kill all the truckers and the bikers and steal their loot. And about an hour into the movie or so there's a big twist and a big reveal that you realize okay there's something supernatural about these people working at the bar and it turns into an all-out gore fest that george romero would be proud of i believe greg nicotero and robert kurtzman did the uh special effects on that and they've done so many other movies. walking dead the tv show off the top of my head but so many other things and so it really feels like two completely mo- different movies the first hour this crime thriller that you know could be on par with you know could were comparable to other tarantino movies and then the second hour a horror gore fest supernatural vampire blood everywhere crazy movie they had to make the blood um, green, if I'm not mistaken, because the NC-17, they wanted to give it the, the NC-17 rating, the MPAA. So uh, it's really it comes out of nowhere, and then the whole second half is just like a horror movie. And it's one of the most famous twists for a lot of people that have seen that movie. And it's pretty fantastic, I think, and it makes for one of the most memorable. When you mentioned this topic about mid-film twist after you saw Parasite, the first movie I thought of, was from dusk till dawn. Yeah. Patrick, where does from dusk till dawn rank for you with this?
0: Um, I, I think it's it's up there with the best twists in cinema history. Honestly, it might not be the greatest movie mm-hmm. ever made or anything. I'm not going to say anything like that. But the fact no, that it's not on the
1: same level as Psycho or Vertigo or Parasite or Kubrick movie
0: for that matter. Yeah, you know, does does what it does. Like we're you know we talked about Parasite going from kind of a caper type vibe to a thriller but it's more parasites more subtle this is like you're watching much more (laughs) subtle totally Yeah. yeah it's like somebody flipped the channel and it just has the same characters getting thrown into a totally different story
1: So it's like George Romero or or John Carpenter took over directing the second half, or Sam Raimi decided to direct Evil Dead Part Three or Four or something, you know, in in that second half of the movie because it feels totally disjointed and totally different. But in a good and
0: honestly, I could see it not working for some people because it is it is a big surprise. But if you're a fan of both genres, you'll enjoy it. If you hate horror movies and you hate vampires, you're going to be really disappointed halfway through.
1: So moving on from the mid-twist, uh, mid-twist uh, uh, films, moving on to now where they worked, uh, we gave some very good examples there. We're going to move on to the much more common, especially in recent years, the third act twist or the, end, the big twist
0: at the end, the big reveal, the big aha moment at the end. I would argue that it's overused, too, actually, the twist ending.
1: I definitely agree with that, especially in the past ooh, twenty years or so. I feel like we're conditioned, you know, in certain movies or certain genres of movies to expect a twist, um, and then when it doesn't happen, that almost feels like a twist in itself. Uh, so, what are what? Yeah, what what do you want to give as some of your twist endings that you want to talk about?
0: I'll I'll ask you this first. I'll I'll say what I think, but like what. In your opinion, makes a good ending. To me, it has to enrich the viewing experience. So if you watch it a second time, it transforms what you thought you knew. And in, in kind of like like we were talking about with Vertigo, it strengthens the themes of it. It doesn't feel like it was tacked on. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna kind of go into movies that do that, that actually earn the twist, and there are gonna be movies that um, that. Don't earn it at least in my opinion. I'm sure Jason's going to disagree and have his own what, what, what do you what do you think Jason? What do you think makes a good twist ending before we get into it, uh, what
1: makes a good twist ending? I mean a lot of it just has to go with your feeling your emotions. I mean sometimes I feel like I've used his name already in this uh, this episode but M. Night Shyamalan I feel that a lot of times he starts at the end and then works backwards And a lot of times when he does that, that makes me want to get out of my seat, walk backwards, like rewind my life out the theater, go back to where I paid for the ticket and go back into my car and and reverse it. So I don't like when it feels like a gimmick or when it feels like the whole movie's relying on that twist. Mm -hmm. Um, A good ending is exactly what you said, where it feels like it's earned, it enhances the characters, where there was this feeling of dread or this feeling of uneasiness and you're unsure, and then I'm thinking of maybe one of my favorite examples of it is the usual suspects. The whole time you're not quite sure who is who and what's going on and you know, we don't know who everybody is or what they say they are. And then there's the big reveal at the end. That felt earned. That screenplay was working towards that moment. And it was a big aha moment. And it really worked. Another one of my favorite examples where the twist earned it to, to me. And it's it sticks with me to this day. And even though it's been parodied and it's been copied. And I feel like I could, uh, this wouldn't be ruining anything by saying. The original Planet of the Apes. The whole time I first saw that I was like is it earth no is it it could be I don't know and and it you know it builds and builds and builds towards this reveal and that you know as a dramatic payoff it's an emotional payoff because when Charlton Heston's screaming and banging you know his hand into the the beach uh, you you feel that you know frustration and you look and see and it. it's it's an unforgettable image so uh, yeah, there are, there are certain, you know, twists that pay off. And if it, you know, works with the characters and works with the narrative and it's building towards this crescendo, then it's a good ending. But it, it depends on feeling, you know, mm-hmm. how much you care about the world they created and the characters, yep. how invested you are in them. I
0: agree with you that the usual suspects in Planet of the Apes are the two of the best that really earn it. Um, I mm-hmm. had those on my list to talk about as well. Um, I think with the usual suspects, it completely changes what you think you know about the characters, and it, it mm-hmm. introduces the unreliable narrator, which is usually something that is reserved for books. Um, and because uh, mm. usually in movies, when someone is narrating something, you assume that what they're saying is true, unless it's unless it's showed that the character is crazy or something. But um, I'm trying to think of some film noir examples that might go against
1: what you just said, but I guess the, the, what they're saying is true. I'm thinking of Double Indemnity. Everything he's saying is true. You just don't realize the situation that he's in yes. while he's confessing and explaining. Every, or same thing with Sunset Boulevard. Yep. Uh, you don't. You don't know what's going
0: on at that final moment Mm -hmm. uh so yeah those uh, you're right yeah that's a good point yeah and so i've never seen a movie do that and i don't i honestly don't think there are a lot of movies that do it period so i think that's a fantastic example planet of the apes of course Mm -hmm. um to quote the simpsons it was earth all along that's just a great thing Mm -hmm. where it it takes like a fantasy story and it brings it back to earth Literally, pun intended. There, literally, yeah. yes. <laughs> it, it, it's all, it becomes about the yeah. dangers of nuclear weapons, and um, it, yeah, it doesn't. It takes it out of like the realm of like, oh, this is just silly fantasy, and tell and you makes, made a monkey out of me, Doctor yeah. Zayus. <laughs> so yeah, I I totally agree with you. One of the movies that I think, actually, I would argue that this is the best and most famous twist of all time is Citizen Kane. I think I know what's yep. coming. Citizen Kane. Oh, which is Citizen Kane. Rose- okay, I didn't yeah. think you were
1: going to say that, but all right. But yeah,
0: Rosebud is the sled. And to me, what that does, again, it, it totally transforms your your viewing of it, um, where you know it does show his childhood, Kane's childhood, but mm-hmm. you don't really know how much those things affect him until the ro- mm-hmm. Rosebud brings it back home, and um, there's all these characters arguing about what Rosebud is, or they think it's meaningless or anything, but it actually tells Mm -hmm. you so much about the character in just one final image. I think that's an incredible Mm -hmm. twist ending. You know, because he... I'm
1: thinking of Roger... Well, go on. Oh,
0: because you just don't know that... um, You know, first off, you think that the twist is not going to be revealed, or you think that Rosebud's never going to be solved, and it's like, oh, it's just going to die with him. And then showing that final image at the end, it it makes you want to watch mm-hmm. the whole movie again. At least it did for me, even though I, of and, course, oh, knew. I, I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of, like, hard to get away from that ending, like, being ruined. But yeah. <laughs> But still, like like the planet of the apes mm-hmm. yeah or but
1: the, the way you describe the ending of citizen kane how immediately you want to watch the movie again i went through that with the usual suspects also where it's like okay and there are clues throughout there's so much uh throughout both of well maybe not citizen kane as much but uh through the usual suspects that gets to that point um but yeah no rosebud is uh, to quote roger ebert i think he was the one who said you know rosebud means everything mm-hmm. but rosebud could also mean nothing it could mean absolutely nothing and you know you could just you still have a great movie in front of you where maybe, it, you know, we don't know exactly how much it, it meant to him or, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very, very powerful ending for a very powerful movie. There's a reason Citizen Kane is always ranked as at, the greatest movie of all and time. And that's
0: a movie I think, there's some movies on this list I think would be interesting if they revealed it in the middle. I think this is a movie that this, the sled being revealed at the end is perfect and just makes you want to watch the entire movie again it does not feel cheap it's definitely super earned um and it Mm -hmm. and it serves a purpose it's it strengthens the themes of the movie um absolutely what else what, what else was on your list jason
1: well, I thought you were gonna say the one of the most famous and most well known twists was uh, "Empire Strikes Back." Of course, with course, yep. uh, "I am your father" with Darth Vader. I would have thought, and that's another one where it's hard to get away from. But I, you know, you you should absolutely not know that prior to going into "Empire Strikes Back" because that movie earns it, and it's sort of it's okay that it comes at the end because then you still have a whole other movie uh, with the Return of the Jedi that deals with you know him and his father and knowing that he has to confront and fight his father, you know, the final battle between good and evil, or at least what we thought was the final battle until Disney bought star Wars and made a whole other trilogy. But I digress. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was one of the best twist endings right there with planet of the apes and citizen Kane of an earned ending twist with that. Oh my God. Oh, gasp and awe moment. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a terrific, and going back to a, a terrific example of, um, of a movie that doesn't earn it you know we, we talked about the original planet of the apes the tim burton planet of the apes with that tacked on ending with the lincoln memorial being general fade the tim roth character or whatever when oh, he lands yeah. on earth uh, mark Wahlberg's character i mean that's the example of the worst type of a twist ending worse than in a shyamalaman movie okay because that was not earned that felt arbitrary it felt contrived and it felt like it was only put there to build up for a sequel that thankfully I would say we never actually saw because that ending made no sense or there's nothing leading up to that point for us to, you know, the audience didn't have any dramatic, you know, in impact or investment in why that happened. So you need to have that investment. You need to have it. It has to serve a point for the narrative for the characters as it did for. Empire Strikes Back, Citizen Kane, Planet of the Apes, and not Tim Burton's Planet of
0: the Apes. Yeah, I agree, of course, with Empire Strikes Back. um, Because not only does it change the course of that movie, watching it again, it actually changes the entire trilogy completely. It changes Mm -hmm. the course of Luke's journey completely. So it's such a strong, you know, because you think that the New Hope, you think that it's all about Luke getting his revenge against the man who killed his father. And first off, of course, George Lucas says that Jedi don't seek revenge. So it, what it does is it actually mm. really underlines that theme that the Jedi are not about revenge. Because then, now it's, by return of the Jedi, Luke's trying to save his father. It's about healing. It's not about mm. revenge or you know wanting to kill anybody. So that twist it it really does strengthen everything that George Lucas was trying to say. So,
1: yeah, it strengthens everything that came before and everything that came after. I mean, I really think that's one of the most pivotal moments in the character's journey and in in the whole the whole series. Yep. Any other uh, great twist endings that you want to uh, discuss? About whether there's there's, so far we've talked about great twists, you know, for you know uh, mid mid twists, and we've talked about great you know twists at the you know with strong movies that had endings with good twists. What would be some weak you know twist endings? that weaken the movie. I mentioned one with the Tim Burton planet of the apes, but there's a plethora more. Okay. There's probably more weak twist endings than there are strong ones, at least in recent years. So what are some other, what are some examples of that that you can, Well,
0: what's interesting is that two of the movies that I think have very strong twists, you're going to say that they have weak twists. So I'll get, I'll, I'll say those because then we could. Well, I know one of the ones you're going
1: to mention for sure. It's a Fincher movie with Brad Pitt. Yes.
0: So there, and Ed Norton, yeah. and so for me, yeah, of course, Fight Club, um, which we know that you don't like. I think you even said you didn't like it in the first. <laughs> episode, I, wrote
1: article, I, yeah, I wrote a whole article. I wrote a whole article on Pan and Slam about how and and what I could have accepted the movie. You know, in the dark mood and the tone and the grim violence of it, if it wasn't for that ridiculous twist. And to me, the twist that did not work was Tyler Durden not being real. I would have much rather seen a different movie, a different, you know, I just, I, I would have much rather seen something different, something else than you expect me to believe that all these. Stupid young white men are gonna blindly follow a man who punches himself in the face. I didn't buy it. I thought it was insulting. I thought it it, that was a movie that made me, you know, go from accepting not loving the movie, but at least liking it to just completely you know disdain and then the hype and the you know the the audience reaction and the you know cult following that it developed afterwards i mean i was in college shortly after that movie came out and there were tyler durden posters in so many dorm rooms and so many people had the dvd and i It was just all posers to me because I'm willing to bet all those people now are not living by those values and they've bought things from Ikea and and the world's a different place. So it's uh, I I give Fight Club 21 years, 22 years later credit for being a good time capsule of what life was like for frustrated men in 1999. But once 2001, once once September 11th happened, uh, the world changed and Fight Club became irrelevant. Well...
0: Go on, let me, explain. Let why me tell you, you like why that I movie. yeah why I disagree with everything you said. So for me, the movie is about people, you know, IKEA the IKEA culture, people being copies of copies, um, products of each other. So the fact that Tyler Durden is actually a product of the narrator's imagination, to me, that strengthens the actual themes of it. And just like Vertigo, I don't think it's a movie that should be taken literally. It's a very dreamlike movie, just like Vertigo, where if you think about the actual then why plot, did it
1: have such realistic violence?
0: Well, I mean, Vertigo has realistic scenes too, but that doesn't mean that the movie no, not like that.
1: A diff, totally different, Patrick. Totally
0: different. Not,
1: not on that caliber. Not on that level. I completely. That's where the movie completely. Well, we're talking okay. about You're saying it's dreamlike.
0: Well we're talking about an unreliable narrator again actually so it's funny because i was trying to think of another movie that had an unreliable narrator this one actually does and so at so does none of what happens in fight club actually happen we don't happen? know right we absolutely have no so then idea so what's the point of it the point of it is just the themes of it that's really what it's it's all about you know
1: we just to see violence and Brad Pitt's abs and that's that's it that's what i got well,
0: out of it i mean you're Free to disagree with me, but to me, it mm. to me it worked and it worked. I've for written a lot an of entire people. article
1: about how how I did one of the most disappointing films. Yeah, I, I never liked uh, Fight Club, uh, but I, I if anything, Time I like it more now than I did twenty something years ago. Simply because if you want to know how men felt. In 1999, there's a monologue where he talks about there's no wars, there's no causes, everything is nice in the 90s under the Bill Clinton era, okay, every there's jobs, the economy's booming, everything's great, and there's these frust- this frustration and this anger and this rage inside these men, and they have no outlet, they have nothing to fight for. They don't have Vietnam, they don't have World War II, they don't have anything. They're, you know, living well on a surplus. And obviously... That was what it was like in 1999, 2001, uh, 9-11 changed everything. And we have been a very, you know, the recession in 2008, uh, everything that's happened, you know, in the last four years of just what happened yesterday with breaching the Capitol and, you know, domestic terrorism. We're a totally different world now. Well, Uh, the pandemic, so many things have changed. Since Fight Club. So I, I respect Fight Club in the same way I respect a movie like Office Space or The Matrix or American Beauty. It captured how Americans felt in 1999. But other than that, I did not inherently like the message and the
0: themes of the movie. It sounds like you did. <laughs> it it certainly sounds like it to me. Like- From a historical perspective, I think it reflects...
1: 90s values very well a lot of people don't like american beauty and that's fine and kevin spacey's real life reputation has maybe tarnished that film's legacy but american beauty if you want to know what life was like for adults and for children in suburbia in
0: 1999 watch american beauty i i think okay? a lot of Whether people you like still, that movie or not that's how americans you thought. know i would argue that i still feel like fight club is extremely relevant in terms of Men just not knowing their place in society and they're not having an outlet for their rage because, you know, the. Well, now they do if they're the white men following Trump. Well, let's not get in. I really don't want to get into politics here. I mean. <laughs> I'm just saying there's still a know, lot of
1: angry white men. There's still a lot of, you know. Well, then. There's a then, lot of that. Well, so, then,
0: Fight Club is still relevant. Then the themes are still relevant. Okay, it's just they're
1: not fighting against nothing. They're not. They're, instead, they're fighting, you know, this. You know, dictator-like demagogues, you know, followings and and you know, beliefs. Uh, so yeah, I I guess you could argue that it's relevant. So it's what you take from it. So I respect it let's put it this way I respect Fight Club years later but I still don't like it and it's a movie I've given many chances to it's not like I saw it once and wrote it off and said I hated it there, there is a lot to it it is a work of art it's not a it's it's David Fincher's vision it's not a you know corporate studio by the numbers let's try to get an Oscar bait movie the, it's clearly you know against the grain with a big budget studio behind it which made it stand out which makes it interesting the kind of movie we don't see often nowadays so i give it you know credit for that it's a good movie of its it's a good you know artifact of its time i'll say uh, that's what i like about it
0: okay well fair enough um the second one i was going to talk about is a movie you outright dislike um which i don't think you've given as much chances to but uh is old boy so i actually think has one of the best twist endings where um the woman that the main character is dating and falls in love with turns out to be his daughter and what it does is it changes the story from a tale of revenge to a meditation on the perspective of of the characters it's like who is the villain here because the vil- the villain or the, the antagonist is actually wronged by the main character. I'm not going to try to pronounce anybody's names, by the way, because I don't know Korean. I was going to say
1: maybe just give background for those that don't know. Old Boy. It's a Korean film. Maybe just give the director. Give a little background, you know, sure. for people that might not know what Old Boy is. It's not as common as Planet of the Apes or Fight Club.
0: Well, it's 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 a bit, pretty big cult classic, but it's a it's a movie directed by Park Chan Wook or Wok. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that either, but um, he.
1: I th- I think I would have said the same yeah, thing.
0: <laughs> but uh, he, you know, he directed Handmaiden, which um, was also. I did yeah. enjoy that tremendously. So um, he he has had success in America somewhat, um, but yeah, this mm-hmm. he did something called the Vengeance Trilogy in the late '90s and early 2000s, in which there were three films that. All were meditations on what revenge and violence actually um, do to people. And Old Boy is the second in that series. And it's about a man who is trapped for, I don't know the exact amount of time, I think like 10 years. He's trapped in a room.
1: It's uh, like uh, Count of Monte Cristo yep.
0: or something. It, it had you know, echoes. And then that, he yeah. tries to, then he finally is let free and he meets this girl. They fall in love. Um And he, we keep in mind he has not seen his daughter for the past 10 years. So his daughter was this little girl. She had changed her name and everything, um, which I don't want to go into all of that, but so he has no idea that this this woman that he meets was actually his daughter. And uh, the antagonist actually was the one that orchestrated this entire thing. So you think the whole movie is about this main character getting revenge against the person, that uh, that kept him captive but what you don't realize is that he's still in the torture chamber he hasn't escaped by getting out of the hotel so that's that's the real big twist that that's the final um, punishment for him and um, it's interesting because the antagonist there they actually he was having, um, relations with his own sister. So there is like, there is incest. So pretty much like the antagonist is making the main character feel like exactly what, how he felt in a, in a way. It's like that type of shame of being, of that reveal being, um, like let out in the open. So, it's just, uh, it just it to- just totally transforms the movie. I-, I think it's absolutely brilliant, as a lot of people do. Um, Spike Lee actually remade the movie, and I think it was far um, inferior. But
1: I heard his was worse. I did not that see is Spike, Lee's. Terrible. Big Spike it was Lee. Terrible. It was terrible. But I am not. I'm not a big. That's what I heard, and which is a shame. Uh, but I'm not an old boy fan, yeah. as you know. I've seen this movie once straight through. If I didn't call the ending, maybe I would have liked it. But I just, it, it didn't do anything for me. I didn't feel anything. I saw where it was going that it was going to take like this Oedipus kind of twist and I was right and uh, maybe I would have liked it more if I wasn't thinking forward thinking with the plot and I was more absorbed with the characters but I wasn't uh this movie wrongfully or not was um you know uh Got a little bit of a notoriety and infamy after the uh, Virginia Tech shootings about oh, I don't know 13, 14 years ago, whenever that happened, uh, because allegedly that student was obsessed with old boy and reenacting some of the violent fight scenes, and allegedly oh. that's what he did before he was taken down. Um, so yeah, like The Matrix allegedly inspired the Columbine killers, which the movie came out about a month before. They went about massacring their school. Uh, this, I'm not sure. About, this was years before um, for the Virginia Tech killings. But I, there's not much crosstalk I can say, only that I saw it once. Yes, it had a twist. I called the twist. Maybe that was a factor for me. But I feel like if, it, you know what, even if, okay, I saw Psycho, I knew from pop culture from whatever how psycho was going to end for the most part i wasn't 100 percent sure but i kind of you know it didn't ruin the movie for me um this it should the ending to me was going to make or break this movie because i wasn't invested in the movie up until that point so, to me, it didn't earn it. To me, it was just building towards that. And I found the ending to be anticlimactic. And I know I'm in the minority. Not a lot, not as many people have seen this movie, maybe, as some of the others that we're discussing. However, most people that have seen this movie love it. And they think like you do. Yep. I didn't... You know, it didn't work for me for whatever reason. It did not work for me. I, to quote uh, a, a someone else that we know, I guess I need to see it again. <laughs> so maybe I do need to see this one where I've seen Fight Club again. And yes, I feel the same way after I watch Fight Club every single time. Maybe I need to see this one again uh, and give it more of a chance. So uh, that's all I can say about that. But it did leave me feeling nothing. At the end, where you're moved and you consider it this great film. I didn't feel the ending was earned or special or, yeah, any, I to the point where I don't even remember it that much. If it wasn't for you talking about it as often as you do, uh, it would just be a blip on the radar and I'd forget that I ever saw it in the first place kind of thing. It's
0: expertly directed just like all of his films, so... You definitely I know you definitely like the director. I loved Handmaiden. And you uh, yeah. and you like Stoker. I liked, I, I Stoker, I liked too. Stoker. He also yeah. did Stoker yep, he did Stoker.
1: Yeah, so I mean he's he is a good director. The way Fincher is a good director also, okay. You know I, you know how much I think uh, highly I think of Zodiac and the social network especially. Um, but uh, I just yeah, and I do like his other films, but this one didn't do anything for me. Okay, so the way Fike, I guess maybe it's something with that twist end that, you know, where it didn't earn it. Or I felt like it was all just building up for that, and I wasn't as invested in the characters as I should have been. So for you, it worked. For me, I felt like it was maybe closer to a Shyamalan movie where he started at the end and he worked his way backwards. And the twist at the end of Old Boy did not feel earned. But there's no denying he's a talented director, so 100% I agree with that.
0: Yep so you did mention psycho uh we don't have to talk that much about it because i feel like we talked a lot but of course that that was the Mm -hmm. twist that we were talking about how it has two twists one in the middle where the main character Mm -hmm. switches to uh norman bates and the sister and the boyfriend and the twist at the end of course being it's revealed that norman Bates killed his mother and he dresses like her and pretends to be her and the woman that's in the Uh, window all along was just a skeleton of his mom with a wig um so what what it does is of course it turns norman bates into the antagonist whereas before he just seemed like um someone to pity someone who was trapped um then it's revealed he may have just been an enabler yeah exactly so that's all i've got to say about that i think we've talked a lot about psycho let's Let's move on to the movies where it's very debatable, at least to me. Um, I know you're going to agree with one of them um, being The Sixth Sense, which I actually feel...
1: All Shyamalan movies, but especially Sixth Sense, But yeah, I do
0: feel like this is one of those movies that's kind of in the middle for me where I do... I don't think it's a terrible movie, but I do think it actually would have been better if the twist was in the middle. Because... Absolutely. To me, it actually could have gone in a much more interesting direction by doing that. Um, and I actually feel the same way, even though I like this movie a lot more. I feel like Unbreakable ends at a point where it, it should have been the middle of it, like where it's revealed that Mr. Glass is the villain. I was so thrilled by that. Mm. And I didn't when I was watching in theaters, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And then it just ended. And, I, and then I had to wait, what, 20 years or something for...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, at least with Unbreakable, you do get some sort of closure 20 years later, which I never thought was going to come, because Unbreakable was a hit, but a modest hit, whereas Six Sense was a huge, you know, surprise, you know, that was a big sleeper hit uh, the summer of 1999. Um, yeah, and I'm in full agreement with you, uh, about uh, both of those films but i was satisfied with unbreakable when i walked out even though i guess it's a slight twist ending that he would yeah it is definitely a twist but it didn't upset me i felt like that twist was earned because mm-hmm. once again i guess i was so invested in bruce willis and samuel jackson and their characters and their relationship uh whereas i wasn't as invested in the sixth sense and i feel like the talk about the ending and the new it, it, it it seemed obvious because I noticed early on the character didn't really talk to anybody in the opening scene he gets shot and then it fades away there's just too much too many what about this what about that and I I realized it was too good and Shyamalan was too smart you know to leave loose ends so it was going to be tied up somehow and uh, yeah maybe if I didn't predict that ending I would have enjoyed it more but I also think like you said if that was revealed in the middle and then he had this whole other mission to do you know, as, as a ghost before he went on to the next level and left the earth, I think that would have been more interesting to help the child. Right. You know, knowing what he is, I think that would have been more interesting, but instead we're just left with, oh my God, I'm dead. Okay. And yeah. it's
0: over. Poof. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. it does not hold up. I liked it when I saw it the first time and I did also predict it in theaters, but um, especially cause everyone was saying that it had this big twist ending. So it's like, Of course, you're watching the movie thinking... That hurt it, Yeah, you're thinking like, oh, there's going to be a twist ending, and you're trying to predict it. I feel like um, it definitely made him a lot of money by doing it that way, but I think it would have been a better movie the other way. Um, Yeah, well, most people in
1: 1999, everyone loved this movie. It got the Best Picture nominations, everyone loved it, so it it made his career, because he didn't really have... Well, he had a couple of hits afterwards. I'm thinking The Village is the one where I think that's his worst most if you want an example of a bad Shyamalan movie I would say that is his worst with all his cliches and his twist ending and the gimmick and that's the one that made me really I was like from that point on I was done with him between you know Sixth Sense and the the Shining everything I saw with him I liked or I was okay with uh, Sixth Sense and I'm sorry uh, the village uh but when the village came out I was I oh was, I
0: totally I, agree
1: I uh, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and he redeemed himself with, with Split and Glass. I did enjoy both of
0: those That was ones. on my list of movies that that don't work, and uh, so we might as well transition into that because The Village is definitely, which the twist, of course, is that The Village exists in modern times. That's a movie, like, we just were talking... So Yeah, we were stupid. talking about uh, successful twist mo- ending um, to movies, having, you know, this power to them, like kind of furthering the themes and making you want to watch it again. This twist ending just was completely tacked on. It does nothing for the main characters. It does nothing to uh, make strengthen the theme. It, it just It's just like, okay. But again, this movie would have been better if the twist was in the middle. I actually do think that if they did something like, okay, now there's these characters that have never seen the real world, what are th- what are they going to do if they get yeah, out that, into that the real world like and they see interesting. Interesting, that would have but been like something interesting but again it's like mind blowing
1: adventure if they see a car if they see an airplane yeah. if they see a the... A cell phone, I mean anything, yeah. It would have been more interesting. But and then instead they have the twist where you realize it's in modern time. And then I think they still have a scene or two afterwards where it's a guy in a costume chasing after it's what what was he thinking? Yeah. It was it was so bad. That that was the movie that made me want my money mm-hmm. back, maybe more than more than most other movies. Because yep. it's it's the kind of bad movie where it's just insulting. And then even before that there's scenes where the adults are talking, and now that we know the twist those conversations are complete. They wouldn't yeah, talk they like Yeah, they don't make any sense. It, why would they be talking right. like that? If they were just trying to play a ruse, a trick on the children, yep. why would they do that? So, so bad writing, bad everything, uh, waste of a talented cast, and you know, waste, of, waste of time and money. That That's, to me, one of the worst examples of a twist. And it really makes... Where it's become cliche. It makes
0: The Sixth Sense look like a masterpiece because at least the ending to The Sixth Sense... Is about it does further the theme you know the theme of like moving on like uh, you know and it did make sense he hinted yeah. towards that the whole exactly time so there's so even if we don't exactly like where the mo- that movie went it still had it still further's the theme we just didn't like it this is just like does not mm. there is no theme to it it's just stu- no. it's just stupid it's, it's him being pigeonholed into like oh I've got to make every movie have a twist. That's literally what his thinking. Because that's me. Yep. I am M. Night Shyamalan and that's what I'm yep. known for. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and that's what he became known as for, for years um, until he finally reinvented himself maybe a couple of years ago, like we said, with you know slightly different movies yep. that ended up being modest hits like... Uh, Glass and Split, and uh, uh, The the Visit was a successful, low-budget movie for him. Yep. Um, but I, I'm going to disagree with you on one thing, where you said it makes The Sixth Sense look like a masterpiece. I think, because his body of work, he became the twist guy, I think it cheapens his better movies. I think it cheapens yeah. The Sixth Sense. I think it cheapens Unbreakable, where, yeah, that's all he can do. He's made the same movie eight times, right. so... What good is he? Okay, that's all he can do. Don't people, you know, rip on Michael Bay. Oh, all he does is big special effects and explosions. You know, maybe some of the Transformers sequels have weakened the, you know, impact and power and, you know, spectacle of the first Transformers. So uh, it's, it's, I would say it, it weakened that, you know, where it became his shtick to do that. I would say it weakened his better films.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not going to argue with that either. Mm. So the next movie that I was thinking, and... Even though I know you love this movie, you might actually agree with me that the twist doesn't really do anything. At least it didn't for me. And I, I'm curious what movie you're going to mention. The the movie movie is Us, Um, and the twist being that um, Uh, I wouldn't say I love it, but I definitely like it more than you. The twist is that the main character, I believe her name is Adelaide. Um, She's I don't remember. She's the (laughs)
1: Lupita Nyong'o
0: she's the doppelganger the whole time and red is the real one to me that absolutely does nothing because we've okay we saw at the beginning of the movie it's not the same girl who cares the rest of the movie it's like she's still even if she's a doppelganger she still raised that child like the child is looking at her at the end where Mm. you know it's like oh you're not my mom but it's like yeah she's your mom it's still like your mom because she's lived her almost her She's entire still the woman life that gave
1: birth to her just
0: not the one yeah, that they exa- thought exactly it was. So, yeah, so to okay. me that twist like honestly the movie would have been exactly the same without that twist it does absolutely nothing
1: and i yeah that was why maybe when you mentioned that i didn't even think i'm like what's the twist in that to me i liked us because of the political commentary not so much oh it was scary it was Harvard I thought the performances were great I would not have minded if Lupita Nyong'o you know got award recognition Uh, but I liked that movie because of its social commentary about race about culture socioeconomic class status and mostly about Reagan-era politics and the 80s and the hands across America and the red jumpsuits. Don't think that, okay, think of you know, everything that's going on with our world in politics today. Red, he chose red for a reason, uh, but I think that's why I liked Us so much, not because of the twist or the you know, whatever. That, that hardly impacted me, whereas uh, the movies like The Village and The Sixth Sense or a good one like The Usual Suspects, the twist makes the movie good or bad. This it was a twist, but it didn't. I would have liked that movie
0: even if they never revealed. Well, that's that why. Twist. That's I why it's a like bad twist. Just the same. Even even if you like the movie, it's okay. a bad twist because it really could have okay, just been yeah. taken out. <laughs> it like does not. It does absolutely I, nothing. So. I guess I agree with you on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I like the movie a lot
1: more than you, but I, I agree with you on that. That it didn't need to happen. But it was, you know, it was an interesting, you know. It was an interesting little loop, but it, it didn't make or break the movie for me. So, actually, I would have never, that wasn't even on my radar to talk about for, you know, movies with twists, good or bad.
0: I, yeah. And the next one is going to be one that we both agree on. I know that, which is Arrival. And the twist being that the, the, oh. <laughs> the flashbacks are actually the future. It's like, okay, who cares? I don't I don't care. I did not care. And I also that was another thing where I did not
1: care about anything about that movie. Yeah.
0: It, to me the twists didn't really you know, it, to me it just felt like they were trying to do some mind bending ending. They were trying to do like 2001 or Interception interstellar. interstellar they were trying to do Interstellar. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't even like to begin with. But I liked Interstellar more than 2001, that. 2001. So yeah, copying um,
1: 2001, copying... Uh, yeah, it felt like a Greatest Hits compilation of sci-fi, and Arrival was an even worse version of that.
0: Yeah. So to me, it's like, okay, the twist... I just was kind of like asleep at that point. It did nothing for me.
1: I Yeah, I didn't like the movie to begin with. Um, I was surprised by all the love and adoration it got. I guess if maybe if you don't like sci-fi movies... That's a good one, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Denis Villeneuve, who, by the way, could be your doppelganger, Patrick. Seriously, (laughs) look up this guy and then look up Patrick Alaka. They could be brothers, (laughs) okay? You just need to learn French and you could say you're Denis Villeneuve. But anyway... um, I think that uh, it's a kind of like... Because it was more a love story, I guess. But the love story felt so tacky. And so it did, I didn't feel like Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams had... And they're both very good actors uh, in other things. I didn't feel they had any chemistry. I didn't feel there was anything interesting about the aliens or interesting... Uh, the premise about language was cool, but they, it didn't go in that direction. It turned into a sappy, out-of-order love story that just didn't do anything for yep. me. And I... I was perplexed by all the love and adoration it got from critics and audiences and uh, award ceremonies that year, because uh, I thought it was a very weak film. And we know he can direct good movies, and I'm hoping that his Dune remake will be good. Mm-hmm. No, um, I think he's great. A fan in of, general, I think I'm. Yeah, I think I'm a fan of all of his other movies except for Arrival, which was the one that the general public seemed to embrace the most. I. I guess maybe people I don't know we we missed something or we just I don't know they don't they like different things from sci-fi than I like so I I was not a fan of that.
0: Yep, and I have I have one more, and this is one I think you agree with me although it's it's a movie that's made by your favorite director so you might not uh, which is Shutter Island. It's a
1: uh, I Once you said my favorite director, I was like, he's got to be talking yeah. about Shutter we, Island. Because what other Scorsese movies have twists? Yeah.
0: And I just think this ending was, first off, talk about a predictable ending. I predicted this as a joke within the first 15 minutes, like, oh, he's just crazy. Ha ha. But that's so. That was what I did with The Village. So, that was what I did yeah. with The Village, and I ended up being it's right. It's so boring when you think of when you. The movie, like, yeah. you know, hinges on something that is so obvious and it's been so, done so many times. Now there's still a lot of great things about this movie, of course, cause it's directed by Scorsese. Yes, I love, I'm glad I you love the cinematography. That, yeah. I love how it's shot. That's what makes mm-hmm. it such a frustrating movie for me. And mm-hmm. DiCaprio of course is always great, but you know, DiCaprio, Ben Kingsley's great. Mark Ruffalo's great. But it's, yeah. to me, this is a movie that completely hinges on the twist. That's what the whole mm-hmm. movie is about. It's, it's- so, it just did not work it, for me. It,
1: yeah. And, and I don't, I'm not going to, this is a, a to me a good Scorsese movie. Not a great Scorsese movie, but I definitely liked it, and I will definitely say this. I'll say that if you want an example of how amazing a director Martin Scorsese is, you can look at Shutter Island and realize this is one of the shoddiest scripts And if a lesser director filmed it, it would have been just laughed off the screen. But he, everything else in this movie, the script is horrible. Why he and everybody else agreed to it, I'm not sure. But they salvaged a horrible script and made, to me, a pretty watchable and enjoyable thriller. Yes, it had a twist, but I thought the twist was earned. I thought the twist... Maybe not earned is the right word, but the way it was done, the way DiCaprio handled that final scene when he realizes or we think he realizes the truth and what's going to happen to him was so masterfully done. I, you just need to look at this and realize what how great of a movie he can make with such a mediocre script, and that's exactly what it was. So I like Shutter Island. I'm not going to defend this movie to the death, to the, you know... Uh if it was a you know another scorsese movie like goodfellas or taxi driver or the departed even um but i definitely uh you know i i do enjoy this but your to to you know denounce this it's it's for a, another director this would be great for scorsese it's one of his lesser films
0: for sure yeah. so so that was that's all for for okay. my movies i'm not sure if you have any other ones you were you were thinking of that we didn't uh. mention but um Not really.
1: I mean, the mid-act twists, you know, I think that was
0: what we were focusing on.
1: And I think we we covered a lot of the main ones. Uh, Maybe one movie with a really interesting mid-act twist is maybe Cabin in the Woods. Because that has, um, we see these, you know, office guys, Richard uh, Jenkins and um, uh, Bradley Whitford going around the office and then they're, you know, it's, it's juxtaposed, uh, with these scenes of, you know, cliche horror movie scenes of young, you know, attractive, uh, people going off for a weekend at a cabin in the woods. And we don't know the correlation. So we're following these people in the office with these monitors and these screens, and they're talking about things that we don't know what they are. And then about halfway through, there's a twist or more of a reveal why these people are doing what they're doing, and then why these people are going to the cabin in the woods, and it's this whole big convoluted government conspiracy fun plot. Well, I thought it was fun. Oh, I I okay. love that movie, and yeah. I, I love. I love the actual ending. I love the twist in the middle. I love, I think this is, it's a smart, funny horror movie or, you know, send up of horror movies uh, more than anything. Uh, the scene when all the elevators open up and all the monsters and creatures come out all at once, I had me laughing uh, uh, s- hysterically multiple times that I've seen it. Um, so I would say that's a good example of a. Mid-film twist that I wrote down that uh, we didn't get to talk about. No, it's not on the same level as Psycho, Vertigo, or From Dust Till Dawn, but it's a smart, clever, you know, send-up of of horror movies, commentary yeah. on horror. But movies. It takes like all of the uh, cliches. That earns the twist and that it it takes works. all the
0: cliches of the horror genre and mm-hmm. makes them fresh again. Why they exist? So
1: yes, exactly, exactly. Because I remember that came out. I saw that around the same time as the Evil Dead remake, which was a more serious, gory, straight-up, you know, horror movie. And uh, that movie got good reviews, and after Cabin in the Woods, I felt like it took me a while to, you know, accept, like, a more standard horror movie, Uh, because seeing those two movies within a couple of weeks of each other, it it made the more serious Evil Dead remake just seem like, you know, why am I even watching this? (laughs) Okay, but also, that's another one. Cabin in the Woods has the great twist in the middle, And then it has the great twist at the end, and I love, love, love the ending of that movie.
0: Yep, we're in agreement with that. Mm -hmm. Um, This podcast Mm -hmm. is definitely getting pretty long, so uh, I think. uh, Do you want to cut it off now? Yeah, I think I think this definitely covers everything. Um, Hopefully, you guys uh, enjoyed that, Um, and you know, if you guys think of any mid uh, plot twist that we didn't think of let us know um i think that uh i think it's a really interesting topic and i think it's kind of a an the antidote to a movie that relies just on uh the final act twist i just think it's they're much more interesting you could do a lot more with those so yeah let us know
1: I agree 100%. Yeah, I agree. And from doing this uh, with you and just from preparing and thinking about this, uh, I realized that a lot of the movies with the mid-film twist are superior to the films with the, you know, ending twist, yeah. where you could throw in any arbitrary ending and throw it, oh, say it's all a dream, or say right. it's this, or say he's the bad guy, or he's related to this person, you could or, oh, this happens, you know, that feels so arbitrary, whereas in the middle, it's a lot tougher to do that. You throw in a big curveball in there, and then the movie has to take a different direction. And then it goes in that different route, and that's, you know, very, 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 uh, just from our discussion, it looks like those examples are the stronger movies than the ones where... You know, it's just a twist at the end. So, I mean, twists can be good. They can be fun. You could talk about them at the end and try to put the puzzle together. Uh, But when you're putting the puzzle together halfway through the movie, it ends up, you know, like a psycho or like a vertigo or like Parasite. Mm -hmm. It ends up being, you know, a more complex and a more engaging uh, experience.
0: Yeah, I just think that uh, ending twists can be very lazy. And when you do a twist in the Mm -hmm. middle, you can't be lazy about it because you've got like half of the movie or a quarter of the movie left to go and and explore. So that's, I think, why you end up with a stronger movie because the writer can't just rest on his laurels after writing it. You know, that's...
1: Because you've still got another hour or so to keep the people engaged and to keep the people entertained and invested in these characters because, like, Boy worked for you. I wasn't invested in those characters for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. Okay. It worked for you. It didn't work for me. Shutter Island worked for me. Okay. I was more, yes, you predicted it. If I predicted it early on, maybe that wouldn't, you know, I would have felt the same way, but needless to say, I was invested. It was great performances and I was invested enough in the characters and everything else around them was top notch. But then you realize, okay, that was a pretty, you know, lazy script, but it worked for me. Okay, and it worked for a lot. I think it got fairly uh, positive reviews uh, overall, but yeah, and like you said, if there's anything that we missed, feel free to comment, feel free to contact us. Uh, You could follow me on my website, PanandSlam.com, follow me on Twitter, Jason K. Critic, and uh, yeah, let me hear your thoughts about mid-twist endings or final twist endings, and any uh, any other movies that you want to talk about that we mentioned on here? Feel free
0: to comment to me on uh, either of those sites, Twitter or PanandSlam Patrick. Uh, yeah, I I don't really do social media, but maybe we'll actually make a a social media account for this specific podcast. That would might be cool. But uh, as of now, I sure. That would be good. Talk through Jason and uh, I do more like production side stuff, so I don't really have like uh, the same type of social media presence but uh anyway but you could if you wanted to i could i just don't really like social media <laughs> but um anyway okay. hopefully you guys enjoyed this is definitely longer than our other one but i think we had a lot of cool things to say so uh and- I,
1: I agree it was enlightening it was uh, uh it was yep. fun I, it was fun so yeah all right thank yep. you and thanks for listening yeah, thanks for listening all right live long prosper and watch movies yep.